Welcome along to another edition of Scoreline Extra with myself, Sinead Kyo, filling you in on all of our great interviews from Scoreline over the weekend. First up, we spoke to Joe Sheehan, who filled us in on everything that's happening on the local Greyhound scene. no idea what we're going to talk about is the man that knows it all there's no show like a Joe show it's Joe Sheehan Joe how are you doing sir? We're, we're never short of things to talk about I'd say we can chat on for the next 3 or 4 hours so we'll definitely, we'll definitely not be short of things to talk about we're all good we're enjoying the sunshine can't complain gigging away and singing away and giving out bad tips as usual now That's the main thing anyway you're enjoying the sunshine Listen Joe the news came down uh, from Kilkenny Greyhound track into us here at KCLR I believe on Thursday or on Wednesday so an early call was kind of needed to be made due to um, the heat wave now we know some tracks weren't going to go ahead some the plans were tentative but am I right in assuming that now all racing has been gone for the weekend? Yeah, of course, and the welfare of the Greyhounds is paramount, and yet all racing, the decision has been made to uh, postpone all race, all Greyhound racing this weekend, and of course, as I said, the welfare of the Greyhound comes number one first and foremost, and of course, it takes a lot of changing of plans, for example, the Tullerone Community Hall fundraiser was meant to take place last night in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium, that now instead will take place next Friday night in conjunction with the final of the Boyle Sports A3 Bitch Stake, which is €5,000 to the winner. But first and foremost, the welfare of the Greyhound comes number one. And there's no complaints really within the Greyhound industry. Everyone knows that these animals come first and the sunshine, the heat, it, it, it can be quite tough on the Greyhounds and that kind of heat. So, of course, that, that decision was made and it was certainly the correct decision. And we, we look forward to a very, very big night in Kilkenny next Friday night. As we said, the Tullerone Community Hall fundraiser going ahead. And, and Joe, what does that mean, say, from a trainer's perspective then? Are, are the the ones that were racing due to race last night in Kilkenny, that, are they going to be racing at the rescheduled event now? Or what does that mean for trainers in terms of they might have been training their dogs for a specific race and now do they have to kind of modify their training plans around the dogs? Yeah, well, absolutely. I guess things can change at the last minute and, and all these things are so... You know, as you said, tentative and can can change so fast. So trainers are it's not it's not something uncommon in the summer. We'd often have to call off racing with the weather. So as we said, all the the card that was meant to take place last night is just going to that exact card. And there's lots of finals, lots of semi finals. It's a cracking card. Lots of prize money and offer. Fantastic sponsorship in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium, and wonderful, wonderful to see. So all those greyhounds, they they're just going to be pretty much kept fresh for the week. You don't want to overtire the Greyhound in the lead up to a race especially in a race like this where there's so much prize money and so much prestige at stake so they'll be kept fresh they might be given a gallop maybe lots of trainers would have sand gallops but the trainers with grass gallops sometimes the ground can get a bit hard so they would have to find alternative arrangements to give the Greyhounds a gallop swimming is also very very popular amongst Greyhound trainers these days it's getting increasingly popular and it's wonderful for greyhounds and for humans it really gets all the muscles moving so swimming will be very very popular with that heat wave out there because you don't want them galloping on hard ground or in that direct sunlight so I'd say some of the greyhound trainers will have to adapt and overcome and uh, go ahead with the swimming or maybe lighten up the workload in the week ahead but these greyhounds they're, they're very very fit athletes especially the ones competing in the finals they've been fit they know their game and they will be well prepared for, for next Friday night but yeah it's all about adapting and overcoming and, and the greyhound trainers but especially around the Kilkenny Carlow area there's lots and lots of shrewd people down that direction and they have to adapt and overcome and I'm sure all those greyhounds will be in tip top shape come next Friday night for the Tullerone Community Hall fund- fundraiser and of course 
the big one, the Boyle Sports A3 Beach Final. It's a cracking, cracking card to look forward to. Really, really looking forward to it. And how much again is on, on stake for that one? €5,000 to the winner, Shane. €13,000 uh, prize money overall for the cold competition. So it's wonderful sponsorship, really. Kilkenny Track have done an amazing job of bringing in sponsorship. So, for example, on the car next Friday night, we have the Anne O'Neill Auctioneer A2 race. We have the Danny and Ellen Norton Memorial A2 final to look forward to. Cracking, cracking race there. The Ardabon Plumbing race. These are all sponsorship coming in. The Mark Garrity Plant Hire a four five two five final. That's a cracking final as well. We also have the Foil Wind Farm Race, the GSP Fire A seven five two five, and the Caesars Takeaway. This is a novice semi final, so for pups who haven't ran before. So really, really looking forward to seeing these pups on show. There's going to be an amazing crowd in Kilkenny next Friday night. Hopefully, this weather will continue. Perhaps not as hot, but if this weather continues, we're going to see a cracking crowd. Regardless of the weather, we're going to see a cracking ground in Kilkenny next Friday night. Uh, looking further afield, then, because I'm aware that you you're, you know you're only back from Dubai and obviously quite warm over there. Is there a former greyhound racing over in Dubai as well? There, they have what they have is called Saluki racing. So Saluki is it's kind of halfway between a kind of greyhound and whippet. It's kind of like a desert a desert greyhound, for want of better words, that have probably evolved to suit the desert climate over the years. So they have Saluki racing and it's kind of more distance racing over a longer... I haven't been at one of the events, but I must I must make my way there when I make it back to the desert in a couple of weeks' time. But I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's quite popular in a number of areas around the world. Of course, we have greyhound racing in America and Australia and lots and lots of other countries. So it's really, really fantastic to see. But yeah, Saluki racing in the desert. Perhaps we'll have to get a Saluki shade to run for us over the <laughs> Yeah, apparently the Arabian Saluki is considered one of the world's oldest dogs, appearing first nearly 3,000 years ago in the Arabian Peninsula. Speaking of 3,000 years ago, would you believe there's actually a mention in the Bible of greyhound 4,000 years ago? One of the only species of dogs we mentioned in the Bible 4,000 years ago. Would you believe that? No, wow. That's one, for your, that's one for your listeners. That's one for the listeners. So, uh, we know we have the Kilkenny Stadium next Friday night. What else is coming up in the Greyhound world? What got pushed back? The big one. The big one. The Irish, the Bilesport Irish Greyhound Derby is happening next weekend. The draw will take place Monday morning at 11am and we have so many local locally connected greyhounds and this one are really really excited of course we had three locally connected greyhounds out of six finalists in the English Greyhound Derby so hopefully that's a sign of things to come we have Paul Hennessy in with a very very strong hand of course he won the Irish Greyhound Derby a number of years ago with Tyre Rhino back in 2007 Peter Cronin has all about Ted Kildare of course who was an English Greyhound Derby finalist this year Mark Lahey has a very, very strong team this year. I would say it's Mark Lahey's probably best team he's ever brought to Derby. He's had a phenomenal team heading to Shelburne Park for the first round of the Irish Greyhound Derby. And we also have, as I said, Paul Hennessy. Then the Bogey family, of course, from Carlow. They have a very, very strong team as well. Of course, they had a Derby finalist a number of years ago. They will look to go one better this year with the likes of Kilgraney Clang, Kilgraney Sydney and Tear Leary. Good Cody travels there for the Kennedy family as well, whose father... John comes from Erlingford and they have a very, very strong hand as well. So wonderful to see lots and lots of locally connected greyhounds. And I think the, some of these will go a very, very long way, perhaps all the way. How amazing would it be to see a locally connected greyhound win the Irish Greyhound Derby? Lots and lots of prize money on offer. And the dream is very much alive for lots of lo- locally connected greyhound people. And of course, we had massive news during the week, Shane. It's the semi-finals and the final 
of this year's Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby is going to be broadcast on Virgin Media. So that was really positive news for the greyhound industry during the week. Virgin Media are going to be playing the semi-finals and the final. Hopefully your listeners can tune in to watch some locally connected greyhounds go all the way. But if I had to put my money down, I'd say Mert Lahey could give the Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby a ride rattle this year. That's really big news. That That's a huge thing for the greyhound industry, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely massive. It's huge. It's great. It's great to have that. Well, greyhounds are in, in, embedded in Irish culture, really, in Irish heritage. So it's fantastic to see that people have access now to watch the Irish Greyhound Derby semi-final and final nights. It's, it's really, really wonderful to see. And around Shelburne Park, around the Derby time, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal event. And the prize money, the prestige, the glamour, it's, it's unbelievable. And of course, having been starved of it in the last number of years of COVID, I, I think we're going to see record crowds this year. Wonderful to see. And of course, in Kilkenny next Friday night, we're going to see wonderful crowds as well. So lots and lots of happening in the Greyhound racing world. It's hard to give up the time, Shane. My head does be idle at times, but we're getting there. We're getting there bit, bit, bit by bit. We're getting there. And I see something uh, that has been run by Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. I think it's Greyhound Stadium. And it's um, it's the top tipster competition. Do you know anything about yeah. this? I actually meant to mention. I meant I entered it actually during the week. I meant to. I meant to um, <laughs> of course, you did. To mention, I meant to mention it last week. I was kicking myself for having not mentioned it. Uh, Deirdre Lahey sent me a text, and I was too delighted. Of course, she's the wife of Mert Lahey, the trainer. She sent me a text about this. It's a wonderful idea. So it's a top tipster competition that Kenny Greyhound Stadium are running. So with a top prize of two thousand euros to the winner. So basically, you enter for a cost of twenty euro. And the last entries are at 12 noon on August 19th, which is next Friday. So if you go to kilkennygreyhoundstadium.com slash tipstercomp, you can enter at €2,000 to the winner. So there's points allocated to the first, second and third placed greyhounds. And as we said, the Irish Greyhound Derby starts next Friday and Saturday. Lots of locally connected greyhounds in this one so basically what the tipsters are being asked to do is pick who you will think will win each heat of the derby from the all the way from the first round to the final and a whopping 2,000 euro goes to the winner so Shane you have it here online I'm going to cover your entry fee. <laughs> we're, entering, we're entering you in the top tipster competition it might buy, it might buy me one leg of, of the greyhound that sold for 11,000 oh, there not okay. even one leg, but I, I could get you a good ground over two thousand euros. <laughs> so you have it here, line. I'm covering your entry fee. We'll see. I'm feeling, I'm feeling you're going to be lucky. Always lucky. I'm a lucky to be talking to you, Joe. It's an absolute pleasure to be chatting to you. And no doubt you're going out gigging anyway tonight and enjoying that sun. I'm heading. Yeah, I'm heading for Killaloo which is a lovely, lovely uh, town in the sun, right beside the water, and then Clannacenny, which is outside Nina later on after that. So the van is just about to hit the road. We're, we we love a bit of travelling. I was down in Anthony Daly's pub last night in Murty Browns, so plenty of the hurling listeners would uh, would know would know that famous name. So it was really really good crack last night. So yeah, great to be on the road. Brilliant life of an artist, Joe. Until next week. Thanks very much, and enjoy your rest of your weekend in the sun playing music. Thanks a million. And to all your listeners, enjoy the sunshine. Have a wonderful weekend. That's Josh Ian, ladies and gentlemen. Get on everything that's happening in the Greyhound world. And this is Lizzo. It's bad, it's bad o'clock. Yeah, it's thick, 30. I've been through a lot, but I'm still flirty. We also spoke to Tom Mullins, Honorary Secretary of KDL Kilkenny District League.
Turning our attention to soccer, delighted to be joined on the line by Kilkenny and District League Honorary Secretary Tom Mullins. How are you, sir? How are things? Good. Good, good. Thanks, Ken. Very good. Good to speak to you, Tom. Uh, it seems like only last week that myself and yourself were having a chat at the McAlvin Cup final. Um, but it's, right. it's, it's, been a, it's been a while since. That's right. It's been long coming around. It's only like yesterday that we finished last season uh, with the McAlvin Cup there at the end of May. Wrapped up the season and then sure we were into the Kennedy Cup and the Gainer Cup with the boys and girls down in Limerick for early June. And then sure we were, had our awards nights for school boys and, and then junior and uh, that's only like the other day, the middle of July and we're back up and running now again. We're speaking last night of the season and... Uh, back up and running and ready to go again for the new season Ken it kind of yeah. seems to be all systems go Tom do you get any cut of a break at all over the summer even on the admin level very little very little between meetings and AGMs like club AGMs and league AGMs and FAI AGMs Leinster AGMs SFAI schoolwise AGMs it's all go there's something actually every week or two or three a week you know so it's the whole year round at this job you know but ah, sure it's well to be able to do it and keep it going worth mentioning as well because uh, I, I ran into him at the the Carlo Soccer Awards night uh, there not too long ago but John Corrigan has, has departed the good ship KDL um, so yeah. wh- what's going to happen yeah. there in, in John's absence then? Yeah, yeah, John will be a huge loss to the committee. He was such an experienced administrator. He was 22 years with us, 23 years actually, 1999 he came on board and he served in a number of capacities like between fixtures and chairman and president. But um, Jack Daly actually has taken over the role now as president and chairman. Jack is a very experienced man too. He's there nearly as long as John on the committee at one level or another answer we, we couldn't get a better replacement lucky to have Jack to come in and so John Shoes become very very experienced administrator as well he has been involved with Club United since the foundation of their club 50 years ago they're marking their 50th anniversary mm-hmm. anniversary actually this season and Jack is there from the very beginning and he's the new chairman now of the league uh, for the coming season Great, we wish Jack all the very best in that. Tom, before we have a look at uh, this season, can you can you sum up for me, kind of in your own words, how, how last season went? I mean, on paper, it seemed like it was a, a golden campaign for the likes of Evergreen and, and Canises in particular. Uh, but how did you see the season go? It was, it was. It was actually a great season because, as you know, we were just back after two-year, two-season layoff and... Uh, we had a bit of a short season the year before, in 2021, during the summer. Just played a few cups for back full swing then uh, last season. And some very successful season at all levels. We had some great runs in outside competitions, which were great. And mainly Evergreen had got a good run in the National Cup in the, in the, in the FAI. And the Booters got great run in the Leinster. Uh, Kansas got great run in the Shield, got to the final of that. The Leinster Shield, which was great. They were unlucky to be beaten in the final. And that's underage level with that series. Great runs as well. Both girls and boys. We got uh, we won uh, national competitions at Girls South East uh Stony Firm. Uh won uh, everybody won at South East, everybody got beaten in the number twelve girls final, all Ireland final, which was a, a great achievement. And then at boys level a great success too at all levels. 
interleague and uh, both club level. So it was a very, very successful season on that front, Ken, yeah. Going ahead then to to this season, I know you've you've been meeting uh, this week, or, or as as we talk now in, in the last couple of days, I suppose. Uh, yeah. And uh, one of the the big ones to to kick it off is is the curtain raiser for the season ahead. We've the first round of the Pat Marshall. So games are getting back underway from the the twenty first of August. That's right. We're off now, twenty first of August, which is Sunday week. We're, traditionally, we start the season with the Pat Shield and we play the first rounds. Uh, the first, uh, the last week in August, generally around the twenty twenty first of August. So we have uh, we had to draw last night, and it brought up some uh, very mouth watering ties. Uh, first of all, you'd, you'd, you'd look at Evergreen and Free Wooters in a preliminary round. Mm-hmm. They usually they're used to meeting each other in the finals, so they're playing each other in the very first game of the competition this year. That'll be a mouth watering tie, and the winners then have a nice trip away to Thomastown United which is uh, a very interesting tie too so you probably have the three top teams in the in the league uh, facing up to each other in the preliminary round and the first round proper so that would be uh, uh, something to look forward to in the next couple of weeks yeah, I just think there, there's there's an opportunity for local fans to see nearly skin and hair flying before the Premier Division Absolutely. even kicks yeah, off. It's great. It'll be a great marker for the season to come. And as uh, we know, like the Marshfield is a club competition, so you can play players from across all levels of your mm. club. It's not tied to A's or B's or anything like that. It's open to all members in the club. So the, it's a club competition as such. So there's only one team per club in the in that competition. Uh, so it, they can uh, try out a few players in the two if they need to be new players or young players or B team players and A team see how they go so it's a great opportunity for clubs to start the season see what they have um, going forward and to, they'll have an idea then after the one or two rounds of it where they're going uh, for the season to come so it's a great competition and then we'll play the second round uh, later, maybe the second week in September and We'll have it all done and dusted then by Christmas in our shield and we'll be starting the league then proper um, on the 28th, I think it's Sunday the 28th mm. of, of uh, August, yeah, the Premier Division will be starting that week, uh, first round games and then after that, the following week we'll start the rest of the divisions, first, second and third divisions will be starting the under 19s and we'll be starting the under 17s as well that league. Michael Cotton is starting the school boys that week as well and of course the girls will be starting again as well uh, the first week of September so it's all go here in now for that so we say again the May it will be a long season again so mm-hmm. up and running again after Good stuff. Well, that's that's yeah. the, that's the way to have it. I know last season it was it was much needed. I think by by the I'm sure by the the administration and by the teams in particular to get out and play as many games as possible. So the fact that the season got to fulfil a, a full card of fixtures now is is um, is something else compared to where we were kind of last year and the year before as well. So uh, more party and congratulations on it, Tom. Uh, have we have we a full quota of of teams uh, and everybody returning for this season? There hasn't been any kind of dropouts or, or changes, even down in terms of clubs that may have fielded B teams or anything everybody's looking rosy for uh, for uh, a restart yeah um, we have one or two B teams uh, so far not fulfilling due to lack of numbers uh, I think there might be one uh, maybe 
at the moment. The Celtic B don't have the Celtic don't have a B team this year. Uh, but to counteract that, we have East End back in at junior level. Oh, fantastic! For the first time in a number of years, so that's a, a plus as well. It's great to see uh, junior football back in Venice Bridge. They're back in at junior level, so we still have the same amount of teams in the league, uh, which is which is good and. Uh, yeah, it, 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 um, it's still balanced out. Like we're looking at uh, fairly even groups now with seven, eight teams in each league. So we'll have four leagues of that. And uh, we'll say that 19th and 17th will have eight teams in each league, which good numbers enough. It's enough with all the outside competitions that they have to yeah. as well. And, in, and the, the, the domestic competitions with the Marishield and the Calamon Cups, the Divisional Cups. Leinster Junior Cups, FAI Junior Cups, and lots of trainers. So it's a it's a it's, it's a very very busy schedule for the, the clubs and for especially in the Premier and First Division because they'll be uh, involved in all those competitions. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, Tom, one of the the points that we discussed and, and myself and yourself had a had a, a, a chat before we sat down to to have our own conversation here today. Um, there's uh, been a discussion around the the cost of of increases to player registration fees for the season ahead. I mean, uh, considering considering where we are in, in the grand scheme of things, I think the the cost of living and the the cost of things going up is a conversation that's on the tip of everybody's tongue this weather, uh, and the league is. Not no different. Um, you've you've made a, a couple of changes in relation to how player fees are going to be registered, uh, are going to be catered for this year. Can you talk me through it a little bit? That's right. That's right. Well, I suppose the big changes we're we're taking on board a company called Club Force. Now, a lot of clubs will be uh, aware of Club Force. They do a lot of the work, the administration work for leagues and clubs, namely affiliation fees, registrations, uh, and things like that, finances for clubs, they take it, they charge a small administration fee for doing the work, it's not very dear. But we, they have taken over the company that does our website at the moment, Cobosis, the uh, club force have bought them out. So actually they are doing our websites now that we have been used, using for years, doing our fixtures and tables and results and that. And um, so they are coming on board now. They're going to do our... Uh, finance as well, our registrations and our affiliation fees. And namely, the, the big difference in it this year is um, we will be going from a club registration fee to an individual registration fee. And previously to this, the club registration fee, the team registration fee at adult level was €650 Euros per team at adult level. At adult level. Now, that has changed to an individual uh, be and so there'll be a slight rise of that to be 43 euros per player registering. Now, uh, that will be capped at each team to 20 players. So, if a team has up to 20 players, he would they will pay 43 euros registration fee. Now, anything over that, they will just have to pay the FAI fee of two euros. That the FAI charge two euros on each. Uh, player that's registered with there in to the FAI and they charge one euro per under sixteen. But the big thing is here now there'll be a maximum payment per team of eight hundred and forty euros, which has gone up from six hundred and fifty. Now the last time we we had a rise in affiliations was six years ago 
Um, we had uh, we brought up the affiliation 656 years ago, and it, it. I was just going back through the books today, looking at the things. And at uh, at that time, we also at clubs. The older people in clubs will remember there used to be a levy as well paid every Christmas at that time of 300 euros, and that was called a pitch levy. That was a historic thing that was there for years in the league. Now, we had, we've done away with that at that particular time about six mm. years ago as well. So it's actually cheaper now than clubs were paying maybe seven, eight, nine years ago. The affiliation is actually cheaper now than they paid at that particular time because uh, they were pay, paying up to €950 Euros per team at that time. So you now the maximum they would pay at junior level now is €840 Euros for 20 players. And if they're writing over that, they still just pay that. If they have under 20 players, of course, they pay under 840. It'll be 43 euros to the league plus 2 euros for the FAI, a total of 45 euros. And the school boys and girls, they're different. Like They will work out at 300 euros per club to, to affiliate to the league. And then the registration fee will be much cheaper. It will be uh, 6 euros for 5 sides, 7 euros for 7 sides. That will be um, nine, uh, seven euros for seven sides and nine sides. That will be, um, uh, sorry, uh, just eight euros for 11 sides. So that's what, that's the breakdown on the, on the fees going forward. Um, I know it sounds 43 euros per team, per player sounds a lot, but when you break it down, it's not. It's not much of a rise, and it can work out better on some clubs. Depends on the numbers. If clubs have over 20, I know one particular club have over 40 registered players, so they will still only pay for 20. They won't pay for 40. So it can work out better for them as well. Okay, and obviously the like the the increase it, it being a first in six years I means you've obviously been able to sustain yeah. things, but obviously yeah. things and things things get more yeah. expensive. So yeah. Absolutely. I just want to say, like, the, the cost of running the league is, is enormous at the moment. The cost, cost we say, just of insurance alone, you have personal accidents and you have public liability insurances. Then you have the cost of medals and cups for all competitions. It's right that you see the returns of what they cost every year. Then you have travelling expenses to matches for interleagues and that's possible expenses and then you have meal expenses and that. So it, it, it adds up to a fair amount every year to, to run, the, to run the, the league. Like It's very, very difficult to try and uh, try and organise and balance it. So we do our best on it. Uh, John Joe Capkin, who's our, our treasurer, does a very good job. And he's meticulous with the bookwork and the figures and uh, to complement him on it. Like, and he came back with these figures last night that that's what we will need to run the show for the year and I'd have to compliment him on it because he never gets it too far wrong in fairness to him. It's good to get good to get an understanding of of how um of how the of of how it's uh, how it's kept afloat and how things are going because obviously money has to money has to go out uh, somewhere and things have to be paid for at the end of the Absolutely. day. Absolutely, and also I just sort of like to say that out of every affiliation fee, there's a registration fee paid to the FAI to the Leinster Football Association and also to the Women's Football Association for girls and to the school boys for boys. They, we have to register all players with them as well and there's a registration fee for every player to, out of that money that goes to them and a percentage goes to them as well. Now, I know this is about 10 or 15%, but some of it goes to them as well. 
Yeah. But look, without it, the games aren't going to happen and the teams aren't going to get into competition. So that's the that's the that's the big thing, really. Yeah. Uh, Tom, parking the parking the financial side of things uh, for yourself. I mean, is there anything that you're you're looking forward to in particular over the season? I know we're we're yet to kick a ball, but we're not too far away from it in general. Oh, we're not too far away from it. Uh, I always look forward to the outside competitions uh, to see how well we can pair ourselves against uh, outside leagues at interleague and at national cup competitions. Uh, they are all starting now at the end of September, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Oscar trainer coming back, hopefully to be back this year the interleague uh, junior competition. It's always a great competition for the Kenyan District League. Always very successful in it. And I'd love to see that back and to see how we get on. Because we're always very strong and well able to hold our own as outside competitions. And I think like the, the one competition that's avoiding is the FAI Junior Cup. We have got to a couple of finals mm. in that. If we could, if we could if we win an FBI Junior Cup, to be a great, a, a great boost for the league. But we're not too far away from the bit of luck, and we will nearly get there. I think. Ah, little rub of the green goes an awful long way. Well, Tom Mullins, uh, thank you very much for taking the time out of your your afternoon to have a chat with us. As you said, the Premier Division kicks off on the twenty eighth uh, of the month, preceded, of course, by the preliminary rounds of the Pat Marshield Those games underway on Sunday, the twenty first of August. Tom, looking forward to seeing you on the sidelines somewhere this season good man thanks very much Ken for all your help during the year and everything thanks very much to KCR for their great support as well very much appreciated Gary Kyo from Marble City Boxing Club joined us on Scoreline on Saturday to talk about teenage prodigy Keane Stapleton Welcome back to Scoreline. Now, we talked a lot about GEA and we will be talking more GEA in just a bit. But now it's time to turn our attention to boxing. And one of our own from Marble City Boxers, Keane Stapleton, was competing in the European Championship over in Turkey yesterday. I'm delighted to now be joined on the line by Gary Kyo from Marble City Boxing Club. Gary, how are you doing, sir? Shane, how are things? Very good, very good. Are you over in Turkey yourself or...? I'm not saying I'm here in the weather in Kilkenny. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Well, the weather, I, I, I still love to be over there. Yeah, I'd imagine the weather might be a bit better here, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Listen, a massive accomplishment there for Keane. We know that he weighed in yesterday. He was up against Scottish opposition. How did he get on? Unfortunately, look, it, it was it didn't go his way yesterday, Shane. Um, he was beaten by the Scottish chap, Thomas O'Reilly. He, he's the GB number one. Um, it was a tough draw from the outset. Uh, we knew the two lads would be very closely matched against each other, um, and look, it just didn't—it didn't happen on the day for us. Um, a very, very close fight. Uh, the first round maybe slipped away from us. Uh, he pulled it back in the second round, but just unfortunately, in, in the final round, the judges went against him. So, look, it's—it's it's, it's an experience. It's a massive accomplishment to go and represent your country in an international tournament. Um, it's his first time um, to, to, to wear the Irish colours, um, and look, he'll take an awful lot of uh, learning from this. And no doubt it'll uh, it'll make him stronger and make him a better fighter going forward. And that and that's the main thing. Like he's getting to represent the the green of Ireland. It's just such a huge accomplishment for someone so young. What has Keane done to be able to be seen by the selectors for the the Irish team? What has his or what has his accomplishments been to date? Yeah, so Keane actually has had a remarkable year. Um, I suppose he, he didn't get to compete as a boy one, uh, which is first year of competition, or a boy two due to COVID. So his first competitive year of boxing has been 2022. This has been his first competitive year. 
Um, and he's after putting consecutive two consecutive national titles back to back in the space of two months. He won his Leinster title and he's won two international box cups as well. Uh, so he's after winning five five titles this season to guarantee his spot on the Irish team. He's up in the high performance now. Um, he's a well-respected member of that high-performing team. Um, there's no doubt uh, the experience over in Turkey, boxing abroad without without his club coaches for the first time. Um, you know he'll take an awful lot of uh, he'll take an, of, an awful lot of learning from that and an experience in itself. So when he comes back, you know he'll bring that back to the club. He'll bring it back to the lads he's training, which you know they learn an awful lot from him too. Um, so look, it's, it's great all around for the club. Obviously, we'd have loved King to have gone a bit further in the competition. Look, that's the look of the draw. You know, that chap that, that beat Keane, he could go on and win gold, you know, and it could have been a final itself. Um, but it's just, that's the way the draw went. We met him the first day out um, and a very, very close fight, but unfortunately didn't go our way. And that's really interesting. I didn't. I never really thought of that um, in regards to having different trainers and picking up different techniques from different people. That, that, that completely kind of flew over my head uh, how would he have been able to respond to that is there much different techniques that he may have learnt or will other people be coming in with a different way of fighting and, and trying to instruct them to do something that he might be accustomed to or is it because yeah. they know what he's available to do or able to do they just yeah, try and make it. that happen that, yeah and 100% that's, that's it you know it's, it's a different style I suppose Keane is used to having He's had the same coach in his corner since he started boxing. You know, he's he's heard the familiar voices all the time when he comes back to the corner. He's the familiar faces, the familiar voices. So it's been an experience in itself having coaches that he doesn't, you know, he hasn't worked with before. Um, you know, and I suppose that's that's the making of a boxer too to be able to adapt. Um, you know, and be able to take on information from different coaches, um, adapt to different styles. Um, look, it's it, it will be a huge learning experience for him. Um, I know probably. He might have been more comfortable with, with ourselves in the corner over there, but you know that's that's the difference. You know he's represented Ireland out there. We weren't there as club coaches with him on this occasion, um, and you know, look, it's a, it's a phenomenal achievement to get there, um, and I've no doubt he'll come back even ten times stronger from all this. And uh, what's next on the cards for him then? Uh, so next on the card is look, he's going to take probably six or seven weeks off now as, as a break. He, he hasn't Keane hasn't stopped since 2020. He's you know since COVID. He's trained through all the lockdowns um, via Zoom and different means, outdoor training. He hasn't stopped. Um, so, he, look, he, he's deserved. He's a well-earned break now, um, six or seven weeks off. Uh, he's been training seven, six, seven nights a week since geez, since September of last year. Um, you know, that's that's a remarkable for a 13-year-old to be doing that kind of training and that dedication to the sport. He's earned his break now and he'll come back and probably the Wexford Box Cup maybe in November might be the first competition we'll see came back in action for the club. He's not been instructed to do a Ricky Hatton on it or anything like that when he's taking his time off. No, definitely not. No, no, no. Uh, we won't let him go get too far out of hand. He, he can <laughs> definitely enjoy the break. Um, but we won't let him come back at 70 or 80 kilos. Definitely not. Yeah, well deserved anyway he won our David Boogie Sports Star Award as well for July just for his tremendous stuff I know he was in the Hull Box Cup and then obviously going into the European Championship representing Ireland against Turkey uh, stick with Marble City Boxers what else is going on? so we actually we're just on a break now Shane at the moment the registration is next Friday night the 19th uh, from 7 to half 8 that's where we'll be taking on our new members um, we encourage everyone to try and get down to the registration night there's, there's been enormous amount of people inquired about the club wanting to get their kids their sons and daughters into the club um, we do have a quota uh, in place 
once the court has reached, that's it, I'm afraid. The club will be closed. Um, we'll have a waiting list in, in, in order from then on. But we encourage anyone that's interested out there, wants to get their kids from nine years of age up, both boys and girls, come down to the club next Friday from seven to half eight. You'll get your membership forms. You can fill them out. You can pay your affiliation fees and you're in the club. After that, I'm afraid, it's uh, you're, you're playing a, a lucky game that there might be a spot might come up. But other than that, the club, I'd say, will be full. Um, and then we'll start training back on August 22nd. And that's it. Then we kick off for another season for 2022-23. Yeah, I remember talking to you this time last year about the registration for the club. And then I spoke to you the week later and you said, yeah, it's, <laughs> so many people just showed up on the night and uh, it was it was full. Yeah, yeah. So that's, look, I suppose that's credit to the club, how the club is actually performing at the moment. Um, we had nine nine young boxers um, compete in national finals this season. Um, that's on the the highest stage in Irish boxing um, we had nine nine of our own young lads there um, and next year we hope to have more um, we definitely hope to have a few more people in the European Championships um, going forward we have a heap of box cups international box cup coming up and we have any amount of invites all across the world for the club so it's it's all busy uh, it's all gears toward the new season and we'll be, we'll be ready for ready for the new season starting on August 22nd Unreal. Um, I seen something there yesterday. I don't know how much you can speak on it or anything like that. But Irish Amateur Boxing CEO Fergal Carruth and Chairman of the Board Kieran Curran both resigning from their positions on Friday night, I believe, or maybe Thursday night, follows the rejection by club delegates of changes to corporate governance proposals at a recent EGM. Would you know anything about that? To be honest, Shane, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Um, I was shocked myself to see the resignations. Um, it came as a bit of a shock to myself. I didn't think there would be any resignations. But that just that just shows you, you know, there's, there's obviously, there's inner workings going on there. That's obviously right. That's, that's pretty obvious to everyone, to the, the outlookers even. But, um, you know, it's, 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 it's disappointing. The rejections that were, dis- uh, that were rejected, they are disappointing. I know... The second motion, especially um, rejecting the six counties, you know, the, the All Ireland Championships in Boston, it's always been a 32 county. Um, there's never, it's never been 26. So that was obviously a disappointing uh, motion that was passed. But yeah, look, it's it, boxing at the moment. I suppose boxers are performing at international competitions. They're really going well. And um, we're after winning two world titles. The Commonwealth saw a heap of gold medals coming back um, to Northern Ireland. Um, but it's just disappointing on the governance front that things are not so good. Yeah, I seen the word crisis been banded about there as well. Um, I, di- I didn't, or still don't really know the ins and outs of it. But I've I, I've seen the word crisis in Irish boxing deepening due to the resignation. So it'll be an interesting story to develop. Also interesting, Anthony Joshua as well, a chance for redemption against Alexander Uisk. I seen the size of Uisk there recently. Oh my! Uh, what way do you see that one going? First, I, I think it's going to be uh, very much a repeat um, of the first contest. I think Ustig is just technically too good for Joshua. Joshua is a, a huge man, monster of a man, but uh, I just don't think he has the boxing ability to beat uh, Usyk. I just think Usyk is just too slick. Other than Joshua, but um, his, his technique is just something on. Uh, Usyk... Uh seems like he's put on a, a lot of weight now it's good weight it's um, a lot of muscle does that slow you down like what way does that work when you're trying to build up for a fight we've obviously seen it in MMA where people jump in weight classes a lot and uh, has different advantages and disadvantages what does the advantage of putting on so much size have for the Ukrainian 
Yeah, so I, I suppose, look, putting on the weight, obviously he, he's obviously attempting to hit that bit harder. Um, the first contest, he went the full 12 rounds with Joshua. Um, I, I I think he might be looking for a knockout, maybe. The only reason I could see him up in the weight ca- classes, um, looking to land bigger shots um, to stop Joshua maybe earlier. Um, it definitely will slow him down a small bit. Um, speed probably won't be as fast but power will definitely be um, and that's that's the only reason I could see them going up weights is to try and maybe rough up Joshua and knock him out maybe middle to late rounds yeah, it'll be an interesting one will you be watching it yourself? oh of course I will yeah absolutely <laughs> and, and I has it on his, uh, his YouTube channel now as well so it's free to watch oh no way yeah oh so, brilliant well, nice. Gary, thanks very much once again for taking the call, giving us a rundown on everything that's happening with Keane and, of course, with Marble City Boxers. You're saying registration night is next Friday? That's correct, yeah. Friday the 19th, 7.30. Always a pleasure, Gary. Thanks very much for taking the call. Shane, thanks very much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Gary Kyo for Marble City Boxers, giving us the rundown on Keane Stapleton doing the Irish tremendously proud by heading over to Turkey and competing for Ireland for the very first time he's had a great season I won't say highlighted by the David Boogie Motorsports Stars Award because he's won two national titles as well but he's after winning awards and winning accolades and he's definitely one to look out for if you want to be the next Keane Stapleton and you want to be the next big Irish boxing star head down to Marble City Boxers and on the registration night which is Friday Gary Kyo will be there and they're very very accommodating I can assure you of that Nikki Parl also spoke to Shane on Scoreline about the Amanda Kinsella Memorial Tournament. Glad, glad to come on here and talk about yesterday's events. Yeah, it just it looked like there was so much going on, so much, so many different games. How many people were involved? Yeah, well, you had eight teams in, involved, and there was a panel of twenty-five on, on, on most of the teams. So I mean, you, you had nearly two hundred players involved uh, from 12 o'clock yesterday so you had four ladies teams and you had four gents teams and um, they, they played each other and then the top two uh, teams in each section then played off in the final Brilliant yeah I can see that it was the way everyone like the Arabian Celts are, are in there uh, some great names um, who came up ultimately the winners I know everyone was a winner on the day and that's the kind of diplomatic thing to say but who came away with the trophies? Well, in the ladies' section, uh, St. Pat St. Leo's beat uh, Bennett Kerry to Ireland uh, in, in a very uh, very good final. In fairness, the St. Pat St. Leo's were backmoned by uh, four members of the Mead uh, ladies All-Ireland winning team, including Shauna Ennis, who captained uh, Mead a couple of weeks ago to, to the All-Ireland. So they were very strong. But, I mean, Bennett Kerry and Tina Ireland put up a very good show against them. But ultimately, we're, we're beaten in the end. But it was a fantastic game as well. In the men's section, then Palatine um, played my van of Kerry in the final. Uh, again, a very close contest with Palatine just pulling away uh, early in the second half with a couple of a couple of quick fire goals. So again, it was a very competitive match and played obviously played in very 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 warm conditions. So I mean, uh, a tribute to all the teams that took part throughout the day. Like I mean, the, the football began at twelve o'clock and I mean the last final was played at, at seven o'clock. So it was. Um, a long day in, in very testing conditions, but an absolutely fantastic day. And absolutely beautiful people, as you said. From we had the Arabian Celts, we had a team from Oman, we had my van from Kerry, St Pat's, St Leo's. Obviously, the St Leo's element were uh, was local, but we had um, 
the St. Pat's uh, teaching college team as well. So we had a lot of visitors to Palatine and I have to say there, there wasn't a crossword between anyone. It was a, an absolutely outstanding day on a very, very emotional day, of course, for, for the Kinsella family. But well-organised. Um, um, Amanda's partner, Brendan, was the chief man, along with David Kinslet uh, in the organisation. And I have to say the two of them put massive work in, along with um, Carrie Lawler from the Amy Lawler Foundation and Tony. I mean, the, the work they put in to get this past the post was just amazing. And it must have been very difficult, of course, for, for the Kinsler family yesterday. It was a very emotional day, a very happy day, but very emotional at times as well. Uh, I can see the effort that's gone in. It's very evident just from the photos, but from, you know, kind of GEA stars sending in their messages. I see Dublin star Ono Gara sending in uh, Wexford man Lee Chin, All Ireland winner Shauna Ennis. I believe she came down and togged out on the day as well. Like, that's she, she that's played, tremendous. Yeah, she played, absolutely. A great commitment. And I mean, the Kerry team travelled three hours in the bus to, to be there yesterday, you know. So, I mean, uh, it was just outstanding uh, the effort that people put in. And, you know, everyone gave their time free and voluntary. It, it was an amazing community at work, I have to say. And there's so many people that, you know, at the last minute, Pat Heron came along uh, to do official uh, photographer, you know, free free of charge. Wouldn't, wouldn't be seen to take a penny for a real GA man. So, I mean, it was, it was fantastic, um, the, the effort from people. You know, heartwarming is the word, I suppose. Yeah, I like seeing the, that kind of thing where people are putting in their time, putting in their effort, where, whether it be photography, as you said, or I know Douglas Jewellers were able to sponsor some trophies as well. It's just tremendous to see a real community effort being put in to commemorate Amanda. Oh, absolutely fantastic. And I mean, look, from our own end as well, um, I mean, David Woods and Spud Murphy, like they're, they're the bar executive. They absolutely pulled their wall stops, you know, they had tables outside and parasols and they really made a huge effort, you know, and... Um, you know, I'd like to thank Palatine House as well for supplying some of the tables as well. Like so, I mean, all, everybody just got behind the team from the start, and you never had to persuade anyone to do anything. People were offered help the whole time, which was, you know, the main thing on the day. And uh, looking ahead, then, Nicky, um, it did seem like it was a fantastic day. But looking ahead, you expecting as much jubilation on Friday night going up against Mount Leinster Rangers? Actually, look, it's Mount Leinster Rangers. At any time you play them, it's, it's going to be a tough prospect. Um, I mean, we have, look, we, I suppose our team has been in transition for a couple of years now and we have a, we have a young panel, but very good, good chaps there. They're all after working very hard. So, look, we'd be quite confident going into the match, but look, we always know what the challenge ahead when you play Rangers. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, certainly. Uh, a lot of teams can attest to that as well. Uh, recently as well, just a, I'd say about a month ago, you got a, a awarded 5,000, I believe. Uh, that, that's tremendous to hear. Sorry, what was that? Sorry, you, you got. Did you get rewarded uh, a support for oh, sport initiative? We did, yeah. That the Texaco award, yeah. So it was fantastic to get that, you know. So it's much needed funds in in hard times. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, look, uh, a club every year receives that award. So I mean, it, it was a fair achievement that Palatine received it for for County Carlow, you know. So we were delighted with that. And again, it's testament to all the hard work that um, our committee and executive put in, you know, and our, our secretary. PJ Higson, you know, put an awful lot of effort in, into into those applications as well. So it's um it's great. Look, it's great. We we're we're lucky in the bunch we have. We have a very hard working committee and a great bar staff, you know, and, and our ladies committee pairing food yesterday. Maura Murphy offering her service free there, you know, for the first aid and the physio. Like we're just, we're just blessed with it and um you know, it's it's all about that. It's all about for GA clubs. That's 
the, the effort, the, the free time that people put in, it goes, I suppose it goes unrecognised at times, but it was great to see you yesterday. Yeah, fantastic. And wasn't it so great to see that you had to pull out of the Carlo Junior Hurling Championship? Um, would you be expecting to go back into it for next year? Yeah, look, I suppose, look, the hurling, it's been, again, it's, it's a team that's, I suppose, at age together very quickly. And the fact we don't have a juvenile hurling uh, set up, it's, it leaves us a bit short. And, you know, we have yeah. lads away, away on J1s, etc. So it's it just left the lads very tight. And, we, you know, with a few injuries, unfortunately, we had no choice, but we just weren't able to feel there for that for that second game, you know. So it's disappointing, but we go back at it again. We are a hurling club as well as a football club, so we never let that be forgotten, you know. So we we will go back at it again and try and fix it for next year. Brilliant. Well, Nicky, thanks very much for being so accommodating with your time. I hope you're not too scarce after being out in that sun all day yesterday. But a tremendous, as we said, festival of football happening out in Palatine. Well, it was it was great, and again, thanks for the opportunity for coming on, and, and again, thanks to everybody that took part yesterday. It, it was just heartwarming to see it, and again, we think of the Kinsella family today, on, on particularly on this day of the first anniversary, and to Mono, uh, Trish, David, and, and Ashleen, and Brendan, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And thanks we'll, very much, Ian. Wait, no problem. We'll be expecting this to be a, a yearly thing, just before you go. Yeah, I, I would say so. Look, we'll be talking to to David and Brendan again, um, you know, in the coming weeks when everything everything settles back down. But um, I suppose, you know, if they if they would like to do it, we will accommodate, of course, and it would be a nice thing to do. Um, it went off without a hitch yesterday, so yeah, there's no reason why it can't be. You know, of course, if the fa- if the family wanted, it'll happen. You know. Kilkenny basketball star Lucy Coogan joined Shane on Sunday, fresh from representing Ireland in Bulgaria. to an international it's brilliant but you did have a very very good competition over there finishing in the top top echelon of all players out there I know individual accolades are always nice but as well you're coming away with a 5-2 and two record from the championship too you must be quite proud uh, yeah it, was, it wasn't too bad um, we, were, we were hoping to make the top 8 to be honest but um, it, felt, it felt like it was kind of 4-3 and three, but 5-2 and two, yeah it, it isn't bad now for an Irish team yeah, certainly. Um, looking at your kind of how you got there, like, and we know that you're playing with Kilkenny Stars, but you're going over there with an Irish team with people from Waterford, people from Letterkenny, people from Dublin, Cork, all over the place. How were you able? How tough was that to be able to kind of create a dynamic between the players and yourself? Um, yeah, it was hard, but I suppose we had training most weeks coming up to it, and. Um, for the past year that so we we got a good bit of training in together and then when we were we had camps we'd have like bonding sessions after so it was fun and we just all clicked I suppose a few weeks before and yeah Yeah you had some games uh, beforehand as well you were coming off some uh, nice ones there up in Dublin but for for yourself now Lucy you're coming away with an amazing record Um, how do you feel about that like just knowing that Pretty much all eyes are on you on this Kilkenny team or on this Irish team. Um, yeah, I suppose I'm just really proud. I worked so hard for it, so um, I was just thrilled after after playing the games, and yeah, I've just worked hard for it. So well, well deserved. Um, 
you're quite involved in basketball in Kilkenny. I used to be back in the day. I used to do the board down in all Aucklands. But for yourself, what's basketball like in Kilkenny? Is it really, really growing? We know that Puff Summers is so invested into it. My own uncle Julian is quite invested into it. What's it like at an underage level? Are we going to be able to get people that are reaching your calibre as well? Yeah, definitely. There's some There's some huge um, stars in the making, I suppose. Um it's yeah, the the level has really grown in the past few years. Um, thanks to Puff and to Kilkenny Stars basketball. Um, yeah, there is. That's fantastic to hear. What about yourself then? What does the future hold? Is Kilkenny going to be big enough to with keep Lucy Coogan, or do you have other aspirations? <laughs> um, no, I'm actually heading over to America on Thursday. I'm going to college in Caldwell University in New Jersey. Oh wow! Uh, going over there to play basketball as well, I assume. Yeah, I got a basketball scholarship, so I'm heading over on Thursday. And you say that so casually? That is amazing. How are you preparing for that? Um. Yeah. Well, I suppose I'm just back from Bulgaria, so I didn't really get to think too much about it, but. I'm excited now. I can't wait to go. A woman of the world. Well, that sounds great because normally we see a lot of, uh, say, American players coming over to Ireland. We know that the Marble City Hawks had quite a few American players and we know that uh, the old IT Carlo, I believe SETU as it would be called now, had a good few American players as well. Uh, Lauren LaPlante being one of them. But to see it going the other way is not something that we generally see, especially in basketball, because it's a national sport over there. So your whole family must be just absolutely thrilled. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're a great sport as well, so I'm lucky to have them. And what about Pennsylvania? What do you know about that? Um, not too much. I'm going to New Jersey, so it's um, a bit away. But um, yeah, I'm just excited to get over and get started and settle in. You haven't watched any Jersey Shore or anything like that. I don't think it's going to be too too like that. <laughs> well, Lucy, thanks very much for taking the time. Once again, congratulations on your European Championship over in Bulgaria with Ireland and doing the Irish Kilkenny, your family proud, by heading over to the States on that scholarship. No doubt we'll be in touch with you very, very soon to talk about more success that is going to be in your future. Lucy, thanks very much. Shane Redmond joined his namesake Shane O'Keefe to talk all things Carlo football. I'm here with Tin Ryland player Shane Redmond ahead of the start of the Carlo Senior Football Championship. Shane, how much are you looking forward to it now? That's uh, great. I mean, I suppose the, the thing about the, the big break between the league and the championship is there's plenty of time to, to look forward to these things. So, you know, a couple of weeks out now. So it's really, uh, really trying to trying to build and trying to trying to make sure we're peaking for at the right time. So it's uh, yeah, all systems go. How do you use that break between league and championship? Is it about kind of conditioning yourselves for more intense games because championship is obviously where it's at or how do you go about using that? Yeah, I suppose it's hard for the, given the length of the, the gap this year it's hard to keep that level of intensity for the for the whole thing so you know, we've taken you know a week or two of, of a, probably a down week and uh, but now we're, we're in full build up mode at the moment you know a couple of challenge matches uh, training's tough competitive everyone's there and uh, yeah it's been been great and when you speak about aims for the season is it about taking it the first game against Ban Lebrana I believe it is or do you look beyond that and kind of set goals as a team 
Uh, we don't really set goals as a team. I suppose, like I suppose, like any other uh, senior team in Carlow, the goal is to is to go on and win it. Um, so it's really about taking. I mean, in Carlow, you can't take any game for granted. So um, yeah, I mean, all our focus is on on Ballinabran in the first game. Uh, we know that that uh, that's going to be a difficult game and a difficult game. But if we get over the line in it, it, it'll set us up up nicely for the rest of it. So get a bit of momentum going and uh, and hopefully kick on from there. And I know you recently hoped to boost with Carlo. You decided that now is the right time to opt away. What was your reasoning behind that? Uh, I suppose uh, you know I've been been playing with Carlo since I was since I was eighteen, which is a, a long time. So uh, it just felt that you know it, it was gonna it was gonna end at some time. I felt that this this year was the right year to step away. Big you know it was a bit of a transition uh, going on. Carlo, I was delighted to see it kind of turn around for them at the end of the year. Um, you know went into a couple of matches and you know tough tough going into matches at the start, but uh, it's delighted to see kind of them keep that bit of morale even when things weren't going well through the league and then get the rewards at the championship but yeah from my own point of view I just felt that now was the right time to, to step away and try and uh, get back in with the club um, you know all year round and you know play the full full league campaign with Ireland this year which is the first time I've ever done that because you know I've always been playing National League so that was really enjoyable really enjoyed that so um, yeah I'm happy with, happy with the decision anyway is it refreshing to come back and play with the club for a full season rather than being kind of in and out as an inter-county player? Because we constantly hear about maybe club players being frustrated, but we don't hear about the other side where maybe inter-county players don't want to be, or don't get the chance to be with their club for the entire season. Yeah, no, it's been great because, as you said, if when you're with the county, you're kind of you're turning up to a couple of sessions and maybe not partaking, or turn up to a couple of league matches not partaking, maybe getting the odd the odd league match here or there. Um, but it's been really great to be in full time. You know, and and to try and bring the the same professionalism from the county into the into the club scene, and try and drive it on in that way. So it's been it's been great. I've I've really enjoyed it now. I've probably enjoyed it more than even I thought it would at the start of the year. So um, yeah, I've been been delighted with that. And obviously, as an experienced intercounty player, do you see your role as an individual to kind of set standards because you have such experience and be a leader amongst the panel? Ah, yeah, definitely. And with an island at the moment, you know, it's it's a really good young team. Um, loads of of kind of really good footballers have come up through the ranks in the last couple of years. Uh, really enthusiastic, and you know, you know, really well able to take direction. And you know, I suppose with 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 Stephen O'Mara being the manager this year, um, you know. Stephen loves, you know, he's been with Carlo in, in a couple of years ago. Um, really, you know, detailed instruction and, and lads are lapping it up. And I'm just trying to add into that a little bit to, to make sure that standards remain high and to, to just push on and give whatever guidance I can, yeah. There's a lot of talk about how the club game has developed over the years. You obviously mentioned that you started with Carlo at 18. Would you say that what it was like back then with Carlo is almost akin to what the club game is now in terms of that's how far it's come? Definitely, yeah. In terms of professionalism and standards, I think definitely it's probably on a par with, with, with county scene back then. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 about trying to organise your life around uh, around football as opposed to the other way around. Uh, so that, that really has has swung in, in, in that direction um, so yeah I, I, I agree with that yeah
and obviously the conditions this year you're playing in the midst of summer is that something that as club players you really do enjoy rather than playing in the mucky conditions that come with winter football ah yeah definitely even coming in here to Dr Cullen tonight and you see the condition of the field and uh, you know I just love to be out playing in, in this sort of condition you know not wearing gloves and uh, and just going at it you know it's, it's, which is great you know it's really it's it's great to look forward to another co- couple of weeks to go before we kick off in the championship so hopefully we'll get a bit of a we'll still have a bit of a summer um, by the time we get into it yeah well Shane thanks for speaking to us and we wish you nothing but the best of luck in the championship thanks very much appreciate it Richard O'Shea also joined us on Saturday to talk about the St. Martin's Golf Classic. Good. Look, I suppose we're here to talk, first of all, about the Golf Classic that you have coming up. Yeah, we have, um, I suppose, the first time to uh, run a Golf Classic. We thought about the idea a couple of years ago. But for different reasons, we didn't go ahead with it. And this year we said, here, let's go with it. And... Um, yeah, we have. It's going very well for us so far. Um, we're, we're happy that we thought of the idea. And um, so far, so good, going very well. We have more or less most of our tea times filled up. We have over 40 teams going out uh, next Friday week. And um, we're very happy with it. And our sponsorships, everything is going well. So, yeah, it's good. Very good. Brilliant. Uh, when's it all going ahead? Um, Friday, Friday, next Friday week, the 26th. In Castle Cormor Golf Club. That's oh. where it's going ahead. And some spot as well. We talked to Delia quite a bit down there. Uh, brilliant place for a bit of golf. Uh, do you, is there people that can still register? Or Yeah, we still have some slots available. Probably more, more or less early morning slots. Uh, I think we might be actually in our five or six teams. Um, I think that would be we have roughly around 40 teams. Now, but we might go up to 46. So, if, um, Paddy Kyo, we can look up on our Facebook uh, page or social media, get the numbers there. I just, uh, for the guys to register our, our Ringcastle Comer Golf Club. Um, we have a lot of sponsorship there at the moment. It's going very well. We roughly have, we have 10 main sponsors on board, which is great. We have the likes of Brendan Agri Repairs in Castle Comer there. We have um, Nova Chem there on board as well. M&A Coaches, Eurospar, Heritage Peaks, Brendan Agri Contractors, Danny Kirk Construction, KTL, uh, that's who is Clarny, Telecommunications Limited. And we've lots of local farmers that have come in actually, which is unusual, to have come in as uh, main sponsors on the bench. Oh, wow. On top of that, then we probably have another 120 sponsors as well on top of the main sponsors. So it's actually it's, it's going better than we actually predicted, to be honest. But we're very happy and we're still open for more sponsors because I was talking to Eamon Breen, who was a man out in Castle Cornwall Golf Club, and he reckons it's probably going to be the best golf classic in the last couple of years in Castle Cornwall. It's, it's really going to be a great day, hopefully, and it should be a great family occasion, please God, and a great day for everyone. Yeah, it sounds great. I can tell in the enthusiasm in your voice that you're having for it as well. It's really refreshing to hear. Um, in terms of the people getting on board with the sponsorship and stuff, that must feel really heartwarming from a club perspective to know that the community is rallying behind you to be able to get this going. Yeah, Shane, it's brilliant, actually. As I said, we weren't expecting this, but we have a team of about eight people that have put on a team for our for the golf, and to be honest, they are working very hard. I have to put my hats off to them. They're working very hard on it. And yes, they're getting a great response from from all sides of the community. Community from, as I said, from the farming community, from the business community, and um, yeah, people are very happy to come on board and 
some people are actually giving us more than we look for. So it's great, <laughs> actually. We're kind of blown away from by it. And um, yeah, it should be, hopefully, at the end of the year, it will help our coppers because we have, um, you know, here we have a big club. We have two good facilities. We have yeah. a facility in Mukali, we have a facility in Coon, and we're after a lot of development there. Uh, we had a senior match in the in our facility in Mukali there yesterday. It went very well. And um, we're, we have a great team of people over both our pitches. And it's, um, yeah, I suppose it's like anyone running a club, it takes a lot of money and time to run a club, and a lot of volunteers. So it's good to have maybe an extra few pounds because we have a lot of teams. We have a lot of teams underage. We have seven adult teams. We have, we're doing well underage and we want to neuter these younger players up along the ranks, please, God. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, like, where does the money raised go into it? Now, it's generally when you go to any GAA club, you can see all the money raised literally going back into it, whether it be for walkways for the community, whether it be to, to help netting go up and stuff like that. Do you have anything in particular that you're going to be looking to put any of the funds raised towards? Um, I suppose, Shane, you know, if you're in the Muckley, um, both in the Muckley or the Coon, um, Pitches over the last in the, lately, like over the last ten years, we've probably invested five or six hundred thousand in our water pitches. We have bar walls, we have hurler walls, we have lights. Recently, we start um, doing up our gym in Mukali, so we're going, some of the money's going to go there. Some of the money's going to go into probably developing our younger players coming along. And I suppose we'll have lots of arguments and discussions over the, the coming months, maybe where some of the rest of it is going to go. But that's you know yourself in the club that will always happen too yeah but, certainly uh, we always for the development of the better of the club that's what we'd be hoping yeah um, and that's why you're always going to have different opinions on where the betterment of the club is but once again it'll go towards a good cause irrespective because the club is always at the heart of the community Absolutely. speaking of the yeah. club as well um, Michael Ling Motors Intermediate Hurling League you had a week off this weekend I believe you're up against Dunhamagan next yeah we're up against Dunhamagan next Saturday and I suppose so far, we're not going that well and, and that great. Um, all our other teams are going very well, but our intermediate uh, team is not going, didn't get off the mark yet. Um, but hopefully it will improve. The lads, I don't think anyone has to tell the lads they're going bad. They know themselves they're going bad. The management know they're going bad. Hopefully they will improve and um, hopefully we get off the mark next um, Saturday against Dunhamagan. Please God, it's, um, that's a tough grade, the intermediate. Um, there's nothing easy there, So, but we will be hoping that we get off the mark and I suppose our aim over the next couple of years to get back up fighting for, for honours again at senior level even but it's a long road to go there yet it's definitely a long road anyway to make it up into the senior yeah. league um, Henry yeah, Sheffield found yeah. that out now with Thomastown um, but yeah. you mentioned the underage as well uh, I can yeah. see that you've won the, the league final with a 112 to 110 victory over Greg Namana in the revised under 19 hurling league uh, you the under 13s I can see are flying it uh, you're in a quarter final of the championship I believe you bet Mullen Nevat 221 to 115 so That's things right, are going yeah. really well under yeah, underage are going very well um, our under 11 um, just our school team is under 11 and 13 had wins our lately in the county final and you know, the minor league win as you said is under 15 in minor uh, minor football even win so underage we're going very well we have a lot of nice hurlers coming through a lot of work being done there by the schools in, in Mukali and Coon and by a group of people in our club who every Saturday are taking all these young people we could have there's could be under 70 people in the fields there are some more um, underage players in different groups and like a serious work being done underage and that is starting to come through we have some lovely hurlers coming through under 
11s, 13s, 15s, up to 19s or 19s have a, a good team. They're out again now on uh, Wednesday night and uh, best of luck to them. But yeah, I, I think the future there is bright, Shane. Um, but we still have to work on some of the other teams as well. It's like in the club, you're never finished. Like It's always something. So we're walking away. Never get much rest as well. And... Uh, after last Sunday, how was the community of uh, Muckley and the clubs of St. Martin's in general after seeing such a wonderful performance from the Camogie team and having one of your own out there? That was great, yeah. I actually missed the game myself because I was out of the country. But um, yeah, it was brilliant. And obviously having um, two local stars on the team was brilliant. Uh, for Katie to win a man of the match, I suppose, put a smile on everyone's face in the community. She's a great girl. That girl puts in a tremendous effort. It's and I've got to go into now, but people that know that girl puts in an unbelievable effort. She um, she work hard, she up and down the field, off the field she puts in a lot of work. And um, yeah, of course, it's, we're very proud to have a girl like her and uh, to win man of the match and Marlies there as well. She's on the panel. So yeah, we are very proud, of course, to have representing our club at that level it's brilliant yeah it certainly is uh, like I was only talking to Mary Burke who's the chairperson of uh, Emeralds and she was talking about the knock-on effect that these kind of things of having Taggy Fogarty and Derek Ling playing for Kilkenny and then being with the Emeralds and then the knock-on effect of having Derek Ling being announced as the new Kilkenny manager That what that's going to have on the club and Katie Nolan can have that same bounce effect by inspiring people within the community when they see her going up there getting player of the match in an All-Ireland final and saying I could do that I could be there if I put in the work that she does. Yes, yeah, sure of course. Yeah, of course it gives a bit of a boost, and maybe we'll have to get her into the intermediate dressing room to give the lads a bit of a kick there. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> she's, uh, <laughs> she's, um, she's definitely a driven girl. Yeah, and it is of course a great for the community to get something like that going. Of course it is. Yeah, and um, yeah, sure. As I said, we're all very proud of her. She's a great girl. Well, Richie, thanks very much for taking the time. Hopefully, the intermediates can get you going out there and raise the spirits yeah. of the people in St. Martin's. But if they can't, don't worry. Friday night, you're saying, or Friday is the place uh, in two weeks. Friday, Castle Cove, 26, yeah. Um, still, we're still looking for some sponsors out there. Um, still a few teams to be filled, but it's going to be a brilliant day. It's going to be a great day. There's food as well organised. So it's a great day for everyone, a great day for the community. It's our first hopefully of many and um, so far um, it's really it's going very well and we hope that it'll be a, a day to enjoy and maybe into the night even we'll have a few celebrations celebration drinks afterwards so hopefully <laughs> it'll be um, Hopefully everything will go well in the day, but everyone's more than welcome to call in and join us on the day. Yeah, I've been trying to convince our own Robbie Dowlin, who's a St. Martin's club man, to, to, to participate as well, but he says that... Have you, to Robbie out, yeah. He no, says you, don't, you, you won't want him with a, with a golf club in his hand, he says. It's all right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know Robbie, he's a friend of my own young lad back, back the years, but... Um, yeah, I was kind of disappointed he didn't turn up there for the juniors there this year. He should have even tugged out to him there. Um, <laughs> we might get him back there yet, Helen. We'll but, see. Um, well, thanks very much. Anyway, you're playing Thomas down the day after the, the golf classic as well, so the intermediates right. will have to look after yeah. themselves. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, that comes first, obviously, on the day, yeah. <laughs> Richard, okay, absolute yeah. pleasure, sir. Have a good one. Yeah, mind yourself. Thanks. See you now. That's Richard O'Shea. From Sam Martins, the chairperson out there, giving us an update on the golf class. We also spoke to Mark Ross to talk about Carlo Kilkenny football. 
Joining me in studio now is Mark Ross from Carlo Kilkenny FC. Mark, first of all, thanks very much for taking the time of day, sir. And thank you for having me back. It's been, yeah. been a few years. Yeah, it's been a few years. You took a step. You stepped away for what three years now, I believe. Yeah, I was at the Carlo Kilkenny when we when the club first started. Um, was there for the first two years. Um, stepped away was at Wexford Youth women's team first team for a year with Tom until he got the the main gig with Vera and um, Shane phoned me three months ago and said look I need help uh, just for clarity it's not me as well no, no, <laughs> a no, different no. Shane. Shane Shane Dunphy Shane Dunphy he phoned me and said look I need help with the women's section of the club would you come in and help me and because of my respect for Fran and a few other people in the club it took me about 30 seconds to, to make the decision and uh, Carlo Kilkenny FC you've been with it before has much changed now in the past three years because we know that there was talk about uh, possible women's national league side for this season next season and everybody's always talking about getting uh, an electricity side in but uh, has much changed uh, from the infancy of the club to now the main changes are the amount of uh, players children that have been getting the opportunity to play at the highest level at underage in Ireland at the moment uh, if you remember we started with one side an under 15 side at the beginning yeah. uh, boys then it went to 17's boys we've now uh, the position where the under 19's boys will hopefully be next um, so there are a lot of children being given the opportunity or the exposure to play at this level a lot of them of course because the size of the club at the moment quickly move on to what would be um, felt bigger clubs or larger clubs or larger outfits um, but that's by the by I mean, that's part of the, the that's normal life developing know. skills and then moving on to the next thing yeah I mean it's just normal it's normal life at the beginning of infancy of something you can't expect the children not to take up opportunities what, what, what that would be considered to be larger clubs at the moment um, and you should never stand in anyone's way if they feel it's beneficial to them and um, but there will come a point where Carlo Kakeni will be a club where the players will want to start at, play all the way through and play in Adult League of Ireland or Women's National League. It's not... The COVID, like for everyone, was bad timing. Those two years at the infancy of a club hit home quite, quite hard because the club couldn't develop as quickly as it wanted to. Main problems, like it is everywhere in the world, unfortunately, you can't get away from it, is finances and facilities. There are some stunning facilities in our area, uh, the likes of the watershed and, and, and stuff, which is hopefully going to come on stream soon. Um, look, the club's still in its infancy. It may yeah. well have been going for five years, but technically, really, it's only been going three because of the COVID scenario for two years. The Women's National League side of it, I, I say it here now, I don't think it's going to happen next year. I think it'll be the following year. Um, but it is in the plans. It is on the uh, constantly on the mind. And you're involved with the the under 17s uh, ladies, I believe. So, like seeing the talent that have come through the ranks as well. You're saying maybe two years. They'll obviously go into under 19s and then the under 19s. Where, where, what would be the avenue for the under 19s to go if someone ages out and there's no national league side? That's always been the issue. Yeah. And until you have a continual pathway way through, that will always be an issue for for all clubs. Mm. I mean, some uh, women's national league sides only have an under 17s, don't even have an under 19s. Yeah, you know, so it, it's still developing. It's still becoming bigger. The the women's Euros has highlighted it again. I was going to say it here. Yeah, yeah, it's highlighted it. So it's bring, brought it to the fore again. Um, the the main thing 
I think, especially in counties like ourselves, Carlo Kenny, and I can say ourselves now because myself and my wife bought a new house last year, and I'm literally... I sit on the Carlo border. My, <laughs> my, my road, Potter's Way in Bunclody, is right on the border, so I can now genuinely say I'm part of Carlo <laughs> instead of being Wexford. Um, the main thing for these counties is we've got some massive companies here, massive uh, global companies here, and it would be great if one of them thought, Do you know what, we'll dip our foot into the Women's National League or into the women's uh, side of the game and help this club f- flourish quicker. Yeah. Um, so sponsorship. Yeah, but I think more of a partnership rather than sponsorship. Sponsorship always sounds such a, a short-term endeavour where partnerships always always feel more long-term. Yeah. I mean, to give an example, Wexford Youth sponsors have been with them for a long time, so it's more like a partnership than a sponsorship. And um, I just think it's a great avenue. Women's sport... It's a great avenue because it helps with their mental health, their physical health, the socialising. And I just think it's a great avenue for a, a large company to get involved in. Well, we we spoke to Rob Hackett, who actually puts uh, companies with different institutions. So you, you think about Littlewoods being involved in uh, in Camogie and you, you think about Little being involved in the football side of things and stuff. So you can see that these companies are getting invested within the sport. And it, it's nice to see because you mentioned the Euros there. The attendance that was there was un- unbelievable. Well, and then, some, records, and then some Barcelona Champions League games as well. Over 80,000 people filling in to watch the matches. It's, it's incredible. Now, I must put a caveat on that, as we all know, a lot of the tickets were given away for free, but that still doesn't... But still, people still want to go and see it, yeah. It still no, I was, I was saying that because I can hear people in the background in my head saying, oh, yeah, they're giving the stuff for free. It, there was a, a, a percentage of tickets given away for free, of course there are, but that still doesn't take away from the volume of people that went to watch and paid to watch. Um, so it's obvious that there's a, a distraction now, at last... But one one small fact I must take out of the Euros, England winning it, of course, great. But the women's players, their yearly wages are in the tens of thousands. Yeah. Whereas in the men's games, that's a weekly wage. So we're still a long way away, but we still come a hell of a long way from where we were maybe 10 years ago when you've got island teams changing in car parks. Yeah. You know, so the progression has, has been massive, but there's such a massive area to build on and I would love uh, people like myself volunteers you know anyone like that to get involved at the beginning to expand the, the, the game rather than try to jump on at the end and expand the game in Kilkenny and Carlo as well you're looking for a partnership as you said are you in the kind of market for more players uh, to come on I know that you'll pr- You've, we've talked about trial periods before for different players through various different ages but you're still always looking to invest within the youth in Kilkenny and Carlo maybe sometimes beyond and bring them up throughout life yeah well I, I used to, when I first started being an outsider didn't help um, I suppose but over a period of time people in the Kilkenny and Carlo area got to know me for better or worse <laughs> um, but my mantra's always been the same this is a local club that was where two leagues who were opposing leagues came together to create uh, one club for their community for their players in their community 
So the fact that some of the players are having to come from outside the county irritates me in that respect. Yeah, That's nothing against the players themselves. They're fantastic players. But we really do, and we have to start waking up to this, we really do need to get traction on the quality players in these counties playing for their county side. As much as a lot of the talented players or players who are ahead of their peers have moved on to clubs in other counties. So we're still in that, that transition area where... We want all their local players to come to Kalaka Kenny, but they still feel it's more beneficial to them to go elsewhere. Yeah, That's our fault. That's not their fault. That's our fault. We still haven't built that um, bond or that uh, stuff around us to make, to make us the most obvious destination for parents. Yeah, and you're competing with some powerful clubs in the two two leagues as well. Of course, Newark Boys having a tremendous season last season, Evergreen Freebooters, Credit Yard, like there's some big powerful teams that are known not just on a provincial level but some in on a national level as well. So it's hard to kind of maybe attract young players from that side of things to come play for Carlo Kilkenny, I'd imagine. Yeah, well yes it is. But I suppose in some respects, it's good that the quality of the teams and the, the, the players in the counties are that high. Yeah. Um, it may be not beneficial to us, but it's beneficial to the game in general. <clears throat> but over a period of time, I hope we can build uh, partnerships and pathways where clubs feel it's natural for their players to move on to uh, a League of Ireland or Women's National League level and not feel that they've lost out because of it. Yeah, but that that takes time, and when I say time, that doesn't take months. That takes a long time. It takes years and years and years. More relationship but building. Build. Yeah, they need to build trust. They need to trust you that that um, that you're not going to take advantage of them for argument's sake. Like take half a dozen players from one club. You know, these are all the sort of things we're trying to work on. We're working. Uh, with North Tip to do some club partnerships as well, mm-hmm. um, which is a new model where you you help them develop their players for their benefit, as in the club. Yeah. But hoping that some of those players may consider the the Carlo Kenny route yeah. when they're when they feel that they're ready. There's no pressure. There's no trials. I don't like the term trials. I said this something times before. I don't like the term trials. I went on a trial myself at 16. The trial lasted 15 minutes, and I was told it wasn't good enough. And I'm 54, and it still, it still Sticks comes straight brain. to the head of my thoughts every time I hear the word trial. So I don't like the term trials. I don't like the way trials are done. We're trying to change that culture by by um, in steps, you yeah. know, like inviting players in. Unfortunately, trials will still be there, but we're trying to change the mod if we can over a period of time where it's more players being invited in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, to so give them a longer period, a, a two, three, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a month, opportunity to um, to flower, to open up, to express themselves, rather than being given such a short window to express themselves. Yeah, you, you seem to be quite passionate about the the mental health aspect of your players as well. Um, we were chatting off air, and it's it, you can see it or hear it in the way that you speak that that's a, an important part especially when you're developing young kids as opposed to a fully formed adult helping the mental aspect of the game seems quite important to you it's it's extremely important it goes from my, my personal past everyone does things from their own past I, I'm, I'm lucky I don't think I've suffered from mental illness I probably have without realising it but sport can be a very black and white cutthroat area of life to be in yeah. you know you're either good enough or you're not and all the way through my career and all when I was playing it was either you're good enough or you're not you know that, that, that it was as straight as that and if you were you were surplus to requirements you were gone 
You know, so I'm trying to bring in a model if I can where the players feel more comfortable to express themselves over a longer period of time. Yeah. With avenues that if they're not ready yet, they go back to grassroots. We monitor them, we see how they get on, and then they come back when they're ready. Yeah, it's not over. No, it's never over. And I've learned this through the FAI, um, the Centre of Excellence. I coach at Centre of Excellence where once the player's on the system, they're never off the system till they retire from the sport. So technically, you could have you could come in for a four week block when you're 12 in the centre of excellence, and all the way through to your 19, you may not never come back into your 19 again. Yeah. But the option's always there because you're in the system. Yeah. That's the sort of attitude I want to bring into our level of football, where once the player's been in the club, you keep tabs on them, you keep keep an eye on them, because people develop at different rates and at different times. So because someone may not be ready at 14 doesn't mean not be ready at 16. Yeah, we've seen players, say, even in the Premier League who have come from National League straight into the Premier League. Chris Smalling springs to mind. Uh, uh, Jamie Vardy was playing with Fleetwood before coming to Leicester. You know, so you see that what you're saying rings true at the highest level of the game as well. But it, it, the fact that we know all their names is worrying because it means the percentage of it is small. Yeah. Um, if it was a larger thing, you wouldn't be able to risk, run off all the names. Yeah. So we are talking the 1% to 2%, but for a mental health perspective, if a child feels there's always an opportunity and it's not cut like that, I just feel it's a better environment for us to grow up in or for people to grow up in. And the under 17s just before we let you go, Mark, you've been very kind with your time coming down to the studio as well. It's, it's not every day we get to speak to somebody face to face, especially can, after the pandemic, but it's been a joy getting to speak to you. The uh, under 17s, how's it been doing? How's the tenure been going so far? Um, if you want a results based thing, uh, terrible. Right. But on a development side of it, it's been tremendous. Yes. Because you're dealing with a group of players. Um, only three of those girls out of the whole 24 that are involved one way or the other will not be playing under 17s next year. So what we're trying to do is develop a group of girls that will be mentally and physically prepared for Women's National League under 17s next year. But their mentality of the girls that are, that are playing that group is outstanding. Absolutely outstanding for wanting to learn, for, for the camaraderie, for the way they react to things, the, the, the way they are as a group, playing as a group. And the results don't seem to be affecting them, which is fantastic. So they're all taking it as like a holiday period where they learn, like a pre-season, a long pre-season, yeah. ready for next year. Now, the same thing, I mean, one thing I must mention, we do have under-14s boys... Um, trials is the only word I can use at the moment coming up which of course we'll give you the dates and times for um, but on the women's side of it we tend to invite players in um, we get them ID'd we have, we have people out there that ID players for us they speak to the parents in the local area if the parents feel that the child is ready to come in for four or five weeks to train with us we invite them in then we then speak to the parents to see if the child's ready or whether they feel happy so we haven't by doing that the girls that have all come in have stayed and all seem to be very happy I'm getting good um, responses off the parents so that's an environment I'd prefer yeah it sounds it sounds positive you said something to me uh, off air about say coaching as well because coaching is important for for, for the club and to develop local coaches too um, but you said something that was really nice to hear he, um, in regards to winning the league and there could be 22 teams in it and you'll have a 1 in 22 chance of 
success in a league uh, if that's your goals and that's your aim is to win the league however you'll be a lot happier in life if you look at your squad and you're able to develop at least one two three four of those players onto the next level that's what a coaching success would be well, as opposed to accolades like what that. It is, it's a culture. We, we we deliver everything on tangible results. So something you can physically hold or touch. So a cup always looks good because you've won something. But if you've got a league of 22 teams, you've got a 1 in 22 chance of winning that league. Yeah. So it's less than 5%. Whereas if you've got a squad of 20 players and you get four or five of them up to the next level, you've quadrupled your percentage of a successful outcome. So for your own mental health as a coach and for your own benefit as a coach, if you use that as your model or your way of gauging your success, you're going to get a far better outcome than you are of trying to win a league or a cup yeah the, the the problem is that society still feels that cups and leagues are the only way you can measure success whereas I try to get the model where if if 50 or 60 percent of them players are still playing the game in five years time that's a far higher success success rate than me winning one trophy that doesn't mean I don't want to win a trophy lads yeah I've lost three finals in yeah, a row it doesn't mean I don't want to win a trophy <laughs> I, I, I mean I lost a final a couple of years ago and I won't even look at the programme anymore yeah you know I, I do want to win but it's not my main priority I, if, if those there's other ways of winning well if those players come up to you in 10-15 years time and pat you on the back and say thank you what, what you did for me helped I'd feel a far better person inside myself well if I saw one of them playing on the television I'd, I'd get more gratification I will out of a medal which I can't find three or four weeks later yeah yeah well Mark it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again throughout yeah, the year and we'll keep up to date with what's happening on the Carlo Kilkenny side of things absolutely I could literally talk to you all day about soccer so thanks very much no for taking the time Mark Ross ladies and gentlemen I feel like giving you a bullet bust as well uh, we're going to take a bit of music now from Harry Styles after that a bit of Hudson Taylor loads of messages coming in as well Pat says Mark a pure gentleman um, thanks very much wow Mark great advice you need to get that across to all trainers the way no no child team feels left out also wish some GA coaches thought like this uh, which is an uh, interest in regards mental health and the win at all costs excellent programme uh, loving the sports most enjoyable sitting in the back garden all afternoon thank you and that coming in from Anne hopefully you're staying still enjoy it until 6 o'clock someone uh, has some choice words in regards to the fun where the funds could go for St Martin's I believe the text is quite broken up I can't really read it but I will pass on your information as you have requested um, not your information or what you said uh, would love to see on Larkin on the management panel with Derek Ling such a powerhouse regarding hurling and a great hurler himself of course he had a brilliant battle with uh, St Mullins as Ballinkillen manager only losing by a single point we thought it was going to extra time and he's involved I believe at Wicklow in some capacity as well be interesting to see if Derek Ling brings on Owen Lark and share the pitch many times with him would love to hear your thoughts on who you think is going to get in that backroom panel it still hasn't been announced 0833069696 here's that Harry Styles that I've been promising you anyway and that's all for this week's edition of Scoreline Extra. Don't and it and that's all for this week's edition of Scoreline Extra. Don't forget you can catch the live show every Saturday and Sunday from two PM. Until next time, I've been Sinead Kyo and I'll chat to you again soon. Mm-hmm.